The Global Democracy and Justice Lecture Series with Oded Gilad and Dina Freeman. Episode 13, Albert Einstein, A Vision of a Unified World. One of the interesting sides of Albert Einstein that most people today do not know about is that he was a passionate advocate of establishing a federal state of the entire world, a unified democratic political framework for all of humanity. The story of how he came to this thinking is not only fascinating, but one that is highly relevant to our times, considering the global challenges that we face. The story begins with understanding the political background that Einstein grew up in. He was born in 1879 within the borders of a rather new political entity called the German Reich. This was a federation, a union of some 30 states and small kingdoms that previously were legally separated and competing. Prussia, Saxony, Bavaria, Württemberg, and many other smaller ones. It was only eight years before Einstein's birth, in 1871, that they all joined under one constitution, one parliament, and one strong prime minister, Bismarck. The federal unity of Germany made it very easy for Einstein's parents, for example, to move, when he was still a child, from the state of Württemberg to the neighboring state of Bavaria, within the German Reich. Over the course of his life, Einstein would see many more dramatic changes in the political landscape of Germany, Europe, and the world, showing him how the existing political order at any given time and place is not something natural and eternal, but a dynamic human creation that people can always change and improve. Albert was born to a family of secular Jews working in the high-tech business of the time, which was electric power enlightenment. They built generators to light public events, big fairs, and even major city streets. Young Einstein immersed himself in the books of science and philosophy, and came to increasingly doubt the nationalist indoctrination of the German school system. He hated the education techniques that sanctified dumb memorizing and blind obedience, whose purpose, it seemed, was to prepare good soldiers for the German army. At the age of 17, fearing the prospect of being enlisted to that army after high school, he moved to Switzerland to study physics in the university, as Switzerland was known for its long-standing tradition of peace and neutrality. As he left Germany, however, in 1896, Einstein had to give up his German citizenship, and he remained an officially stateless person for five years until he got his Swiss citizenship. As we all know, Einstein did amazingly in his studies, and in the year 1905, when he was only 26 years old, he made a huge scientific revolution. That year alone, he published four articles that described his theoretical discoveries of the most fundamental laws that govern our universe. From the quantum theory, about the bizarre behavior of the tiniest particles, to laying the foundations of the mind-blowing theory of general relativity that explains the movement of even entire galaxies and light in space and in time. And as if that's not enough, he also revealed the rule that matter and energy are interchangeable, which explained for the first time the nuclear reactions that kindle our sun and all the other stars in the universe. What an enlightenment. Eight years later, in 1913, 
he was invited by the University of Berlin to be the head of their very prestigious Physics Research Institute. The following year, he returned to Germany for that job and got his German citizenship back. But that same year of his return, 1914, happened to be the year in which the dark clouds of the First World War gathered and thundered over Europe. Einstein found that he couldn't just shut himself in the academic ivory tower, and he joined other leading scientists who wrote together a manifesto to the Europeans, courageously calling on them to refuse to go to this fratricidal war, as they called it, and instead come together to form a union of the continent. Only in such a union, they wrote, the terms of peace shall not become the cause of future wars. In a piece titled My Opinion on the War, Einstein wrote, I am convinced that it is possible in the near future to form a supranational organization in Europe that will prevent European wars, just as now a war between the states of Bavaria and Württemberg is impossible in the German Reich. The idea of a supranational federation at the European level, or even at the global level, has been dreamt up over the centuries again and again by philosophers, statesmen, and poets. Kant described it as the basis for perpetual peace, and Victor Hugo spoke passionately about a United States of Europe. But as we know, it would take their Europeans two devastating world wars with tens of millions of dead before they finally started taking serious steps in that direction. But when the First World War finally ended, the winners failed to rise to the grandness of the opportunity that they were given, and rather than creating such a union for the benefit of all, already then, they created just its pale shadow, the impotent League of Nations. With regard to Germany, the winners applied a revengeful approach that planted feelings of resentment in the German public. Throughout the 1920s, the Nazi party tried to inflame these feelings, but it had very little success so long as the German economy was on the path of recovery and reconstruction. It is notable that despite the many hardships for the entire decade after the war, most Germans endorsed the new democratic system, and the Nazi party remained tiny and insignificant in the margins of the German politics. But at the very end of that decade, it all changed with the crash of the New York Stock Exchange in the United States. You see, already then, the economy was global, so the financial crisis quickly spread to many other countries, and Germany was hit particularly hard. And as their economy plummeted, many Germans lost faith in democracy, and they became susceptible to the Nazis' message about restoring German prosperity, greatness, and superiority over all the others. Because of that crisis, in the elections of 1930, the Nazi party could suddenly soar from a tiny minority group to be the second largest party. Einstein, who by now had received the Nobel Prize in Physics and gained international fame, publicly criticized not only the racist and militant government that the Nazis formed, but the anarchic structure of the international system that could not provide real security peace or justice to anyone. In a lecture he gave in 1931, he said, quote, Anybody who really wants to abolish war must resolutely declare himself in favor of his own country's resigning a portion of its sovereignty 
to international institutions. He must be ready to make his own country amenable, in case of a dispute, to the jurisdiction of an international court. But the Nazis' grip on power only grew stronger. And in 1933, while Einstein was on a long visit to the USA, they confiscated his property and his German citizenship, and he remained in the United States of America for the rest of his life. The Nazis' increasingly blatant racist persecutions and warmongering made Einstein change his mind about pacifism. Whereas during the First World War, he called on the Europeans to refuse to go to war, with regards to the Nazis, he came to conclude that this monster could not be tamed by peaceful means. Only military force could defeat them and had to be used. In August 1939, a month before the war began, Einstein wrote a secret letter to the American President Roosevelt. Nazi Germany, he warned, could take his ideas about nuclear energy and try to develop a new type of a bomb that would be so destructive that it would give Germany a decisive strategic advantage. The USA, therefore, should try to develop such a weapon in advance as a deterrent. This letter is a great example that Einstein was far from being some naive thinker who believed that all you need is love. He did have the love of humanity in his heart, for sure. But for the love of humanity, in some extreme cases, when you stand against Nazis, you better have also an atomic bomb before they get it. Two years later, at the height of the war in 1941, when an American conscientious objector facing jail wrote to Einstein asking him for his support, Einstein wrote in reply that there are two types of pacifism, sound and unsound. I quote, Sound pacifism tries to prevent wars through a world order based on power, not through a purely passive attitude towards international problems. Unsound, irresponsible pacifism contributed in large measure to the defeat of France as well as the difficult situation in which England finds herself today. And I urge you to do your share, lest this country, the United States, make the same mistake. President Roosevelt took Einstein's advice and set up a military program to develop the nuclear bomb. But besides writing that letter, Einstein was not a part of that program. And after six years of a horrendous world war, by May 1945, not only Italy but also Germany had finally surrendered, and only Japan, though exhausted and battered, refused to give up and continued to fight. Three months later, in August, soon after finally succeeding in developing the atomic bomb, aircrafts of the US Army dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and another on Nagasaki in Japan, erasing the cities and causing the death of hundreds of thousands of civilians. Japan quickly surrendered. After the bombardment of the two cities, Einstein remained publicly silent for a whole month. When he finally agreed to give a big interview to the Atlantic magazine, he told the reporter, The only salvation for civilization and the human race lies in the creation of a world government. As long as sovereign states continue to have armaments and armament secrets, new world wars will be inevitable. The idea of a world government was then far more popular and better accepted than it is today. After yet another devastating world war, the question on everyone's mind was how to prevent a third one. The United Nations wasn't formed yet, 
And there was a giant question mark regarding the new post-war world order. It was already evident that the age of empires was quickly coming to an end, that that form of government had lost its legitimacy, and many felt that it had to be replaced with representative democracy. And not only on the national, but also on the global level. The American team of scientists who developed the atomic bomb felt a particular responsibility and great worry. They knew that if only other countries also invested sufficiently in research, they could also develop nuclear arms, which could make the next war far more horrendous than the one that just ended. Indeed, the next world war could be the very last. In September 45, just a month before the establishment of the United Nations, a few of them, without consulting Einstein, published their own manifesto, calling for the creation of a Council of Nations to supervise nuclear arms. Einstein fiercely criticized them, saying that a Council of Nations is entirely insufficient. We've already seen, he said, the uselessness of the League of Nations, and we just cannot afford more of those toothless institutions. Just as a government is necessary at the national level to stop people in conflict from using violence against each other, he reasoned, so at the global level, even more so, that the government is necessary for peace and justice. On the 24th of October, 45, the United Nations Organization officially came into being when 27 states ratified the UN Charter that had been signed earlier that year in San Francisco. Two weeks earlier, Einstein, together with other notable thinkers, published in the New York Times a fierce condemnation of the proposed charter, who gave complete sovereignty to the member governments without any power above them. In that sense, they wrote, it was comparable to the American Articles of Confederation, the document that first united the 13 American republics that later became the United States of America. That confederation didn't work and it was quickly replaced with the Federal Constitution of the United States of America. Similarly, and I quote, we must aim at a federal constitution of the world, a working worldwide legal order, if we hope to prevent an atomic war. In interviews, Einstein warmly recommended a book that had just been published then, titled The Anatomy of Peace. In it, his friend, the writer Emery Revis, presented concisely and convincingly the case for a federal world government. This small book made it to the top of the bestsellers list in the United States in March of 1946 and stayed at the top for six months. It was translated into 18 languages and its ideas about a world federation became extremely popular around the world. Later that year, Einstein and a few other leading physicists published a collection of essays called One World or None a report to the public on the full meaning of the atomic bomb. In his essay, Einstein wrote about the most vital lessons that we should learn from the failure of the League of Nations system. After the First World War, he explained, the international community had set up two institutions that resembled a judicial and a legislative branches of government. The first, the judicial, was the International Court of Justice, whose aim was to solve disputes and conflicts between states on the basis of international law. The second, the legislative, was the League of Nations, where representatives of member governments 
could come together to peacefully negotiate the writing of that international law. When they all gathered in one big assembly room, it had the semblance of a kind of a world parliament. What's more, one of their resolutions was to outlaw as criminal the method of solving conflicts by war. Thus, he wrote, and I quote, the nations were imbued with an illusion of security that led inevitably to bitter disappointment. For the best court is meaningless unless it is backed by the authority and power to execute its decisions. And exactly the same is true of a world parliament. An individual state with sufficient military and economic power can easily resort to violence and voluntarily destroy the entire structure of supranational security built on nothing but words and documents. Moral authority alone is an inadequate means of securing the peace. It is necessary that the individual state be prevented from making war by a supranational organization supported by a military power that is exclusively under its control. Only then can we have some assurance that we shall not vanish into the atmosphere dissolved into atoms one of these days. This text also shows how Einstein's vision about a unified world was as far as can be from naive, but rather based on a hard realism. He couldn't be satisfied with nice words and noble declarations of the strong, but wanted a government above them that belongs to all of us, the people of the world. A federal government with proper checks and balances and proper rule of law which are arrangements that to this day are limited only to the nation-state level, while our society in reality and our mutual impacts are increasingly global. Naturally, the main worry of Einstein that justified such a government was the problem of a war in a nuclear age. And while his fears in this field did not materialize, at least for now, it is nevertheless evident that the dynamics of the Cold War the power politics, the proxy wars, the mutual mistrust and the preparations for war, took and are still taking a huge toll on countless individuals and groups around the world. A terribly heavy toll that could have been avoided. Had only Einstein's moral and rational voice been better listened to by more people, we could have been living in a much more safe, just and happy world than the one that we have. I think that today, as we increasingly face global problems, we can draw important inspiration from his message and activism. Thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing this important message. The Global Democracy and Justice Lecture Series is also available as videos on YouTube and other platforms. If you found the ideas in this episode interesting, please share it.